CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week once again is my good buddy, Mr. James Miles. He's a staff writer on THP uh, in very, very busy times right now kicking off some new releases for a couple different companies, which I'm sure we'll talk about today, uh, but I may as well let him say, hey, what's up, James? Hey, <laughs> what's well, up? Well, let's start over. <laughs> How do uh, I pass that up? Come on. Uh, I mean, you don't. What's going on, man? How, how's, uh, how are things? Uh, things are good. I mean, we're in prime me trying to get the kids ready for a new school uh, season mixed in with release of Palooza this time of year, which is becoming a trend and I kind of like it. Yeah. There's some really, really interesting golf clubs getting released right now. A um, couple that we both have experienced firsthand, which is great. Uh, I'm seeing some photos out there of uh, what, what, what I wanted to be. Let's see. What do you call it? fairway free in 2023 but really <laughs> trending towards <laughs> i don't think i should say it i think you should i'm, say I'm it. gonna say it hybrid horror in 2024 <laughs> i think you have to say it that's perfect <laughs> uh the super hybrid from callaway looks unbelievable it's i think their third iteration of the product mm -hmm. and I, I believe it's basically tradition at this point to at least give it a long-term run in the bag what do you think they've been uh they've been good for you like it's you know that whole hit driver ball speed out of a hybrid thing seems, seems to fit you well yeah so i was really big on the idea of making my way back to that kind of product but so i had my club or not my club championship my member member this past weekend uh, and i also got a chance to play with a bunch of th peers which is always fun but it's also a test of your nerves i guess uh mm -hmm. And not necessarily the TH peers, they're pretty chill, but you go out there and it's a best ball day one and then an ultra day two. And there's not really a lot of like, uh, I guess I'll hit driver here. Who cares? It's more like, all right, you better hit the fairway here because partners in the pocket. So uh, we were pulling out a utility. So I feel like it's become a bit of a crutch for me. So I'm excited not only to experience an, an alternative version of it with the new Titleist u505 but also a chance to rekindle my love or at least try to return to form a little bit with hybrids and uh even three woods man it's been a while i love saying hearing you say that you're gonna hit a three wood you know i i'm for as all in on hybrids as you are i am i am the three wood geek like it's it's my favorite it's become my favorite club to tinker with and i never in a million years would have thought that whenever we first started doing all this stuff uh it, it's i don't know it's pretty trippy well the three woods become quite dynamic really it's not like uh it's not like there's been uh, just uh what's in your bag oh it's a three wood people are now asking what kind of three wood is it deep is it shallow is it uh, uh the intent to get it off easy terrain or more challenging terrain like there seems to be a lot of consideration going on in that it's almost like a hybrid of a hybrid of a three wood of a hybrid <laughs> well i mean yeah it's it's versatility in the three wood right because yeah for i think for years like when i first started getting into it we were in the trend of fairway woods that were really really shallow 
And that's cool at first. Uh, but for me, that's kind of really, really, really bad for how I like to use a three wood. I like to use three wood off the tee a lot. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's my, it, it'll, it's one of my go-tos on any type of tee shot that I just, I, I feel like I need to play something out there. And with a more shallow head, it, it kind of plays in my head. I'm the same way with driver though. You know that I prefer a deep face driver. Um, so now like anything else, I feel like the trend has got to three woods where you have options within lineups, you have options and that's pretty cool. So it, it has made it more fun. That's a fair point. Yeah. When you think of old school three wood, what word comes to your mind immediately? Warbird. Really? Yeah. What's the second word that comes to your mind? Oh, I don't. Ouch. Tight, tight lies. Maybe <laughs> that's so, not a word, Dan. Well, you know what I mean? No, uh, no. I mean, but it was be... Warbird, you scumbag. What are we doing here? I mean, it's true though. Like you, you, you get into you get into like Steelhead, and you get into yeah. some of these and Tight Lies. Tight yeah. Lies changed three woods. It was the first like truly, I think, hittable modern three wood for mortals. Right. Right. That was yeah. that was kind of the point I was making. Is like I man, know I'm just messing with was, you. That was such a moment in time, and now we've um, created such a diverse option set there at the three and, and so far as guys even go in there and you have your uh, uh like the super deeps and stuff like that but there's also the guys who are like doubling down on driver now with the mm-hmm. three wood set because it's not even just like hey i want i want a really deep super deep head now i want like a driver at the length of a three wood shafted at about 13 or 14 degrees with launch the primary characteristic which for me is terrifying let's be clear yeah <laughs> but for yeah, others I, it's it's a godsend i mean it makes a lot of sense i like it's always you 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 i and, and jb on thp have had this conversation a lot because he's a big has been historically a big two driver guy like i just can't do it i've tried i cut one down and i hold it and i'm like i don't know what i'm looking at and it freaks me out. I get the premise of it. The driver is the most forgiving club head in the bag. Like I totally understand the premise. I should be able to hit that better than I can that little three wood, but I don't. Yeah, it's so, interesting you know. said it because I think the four iron is the most forgiving club in the bag, which is <laughs> why I don't would. currently have a four iron in my bag. <laughs> no, it, it's, I actually had my wife ask me that the other day. I was hitting off the tee with, uh, I think my two utility, my um, Mizuno pro fly high. Yeah. And uh, she's like, why do you hit that here? And I think I I just find it easier to hit than everything else. And it's just so bass backwards when you think about it. It it shouldn't be that way. But, you know, we're we're creatures of habit. And that's just Mm -hmm. a wild rabbit hole that I need someone like Versa to come on here and, you know, give me a little bit of uh, (laughs) a slap on the wrist for. But yeah, I I think uh, I think it's gonna be fun to experience that a little bit more. But I want to talk about super hybrid because there are subtle changes i was terrified i remember when the first one came out i was desperately scared or desperately excited to get at least one of them in play and it ended up being a club i had i had left in the bag and and found great success with for quite some time and then they brought the second one out and i just thought to myself like this is scary and and i don't mean that in a ridiculous way i'm not shaking my boots but the idea that I'm so excited to try the new technology because they have a lot of great things going on, but it's that fear of, did you make a good thing? Not as good. Cause I love what it was. And, and I, I think they did a nice job. So now that I'm looking at the third iteration here with the amount of technology packed into it, you see like some very intentional internal design features that are 
uh, likely masking mediocrity off a, <laughs> off a swing. <laughs> but uh, what was your take when you saw it? Did you do you think they they put a nice amount of new sauce into it? I think I, I was honestly kind of surprised that we saw it come back. Um, I'm not surprised uh, that it's in the paradigm line like now now that it is back because I mean the last time we saw it was epic, so it, it kind of makes sense on on that on that time frame that we're on. Uh, every couple of years for for it to be there, but I just feel like Callaway has diversified their hybrids so much right now. I want to um, cycle on that a little bit because you're a UW guy. I am, uh, which the, to the core. So, oh, oh, I, that's the club that you you know you talk about your your fly high and 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 my apex UW nineteen is that club for me. So uh, I think it's interesting because at first I was like, I, I when we got word of it and we're going to do the release article and everything, I kind of thought, why? Like, has ha, where's its where's its place now? Because Kelly's fairway woods have gotten so good, and the hybrids, the standard hybrids, have gotten so good, and then you throw in something like the Apex UW, but the Apex UW is a completely different beast. I mean, it it is a it is for as fast as it is, it's about precision. And, and that was the one thing that I liked this time around Callaway's back to it. The super hybrid flat out saying, this is a hybrid with driver ball speed period. Mm-hmm. Full, full stop. This is not an iron replacement. This is not trying to gap into stuff. It goes up to a six hybrid. Yes. But this is still about just titanium ball speed. And, and I, I kind of respect that there's, there's a lot of sauce in it. There's a lot of tech in it. I think the shape is way better than it's been. It looks more, uh, there's more, there's a, there's a softer roundness to it this time. Whereas in the past, I feel like it addressed, they got really, really boxy. I hit yours not too long ago. We were out there again. It's the first time I'd hit it in a while. And it, it kind of toward, for me, towards the toe, things always got a little square and I'm not talking about the face just in general. Whereas this time visually, it kind of, it kind of situates itself a little better. And part of that's with how they can shift and save and move weight and the way that they're inserting all this tungsten. Um, it's got a cool story to it. And I, they've given us no reason not to realize that it's going to be a super powerful hybrid. Right. So yeah, the weight inside, it's like a, it's like a, a U shape almost with the, the weight that they've positioned. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not uniform. It's, it's more notable in one side than the other. So they've clearly put a ton of intention in the way it's designed internally but there are also really interesting external components that surprise me. We we talked about this one of the first nights we saw it, which was there's a ridge that wraps the base of the club and and kind of creates this uh, curl over look. You wouldn't see from a dress when you flip it over, you see that that ridge that exists there. And it's like, man, I, I know they're doing that for a reason, but it's really fascinating because we haven't seen something like that in a while from, from them or really anyone. No, and, and there's... There wasn't the story that I thought there would be around it. Mm-hmm. It it has its its practicality, like we kind of expected it was. As far as you know, they're wanting to find a way for a head that size, and it is an oversized hybrid. They want a head that size to be able to get into and out of turf faster whenever you're hitting it out of rough or you're hitting it off of off the deck or anything else like that. So they've taken some of that. But when you when you look at it uh, visually, com- especially compared to the last one, I did that the other night. Um, it's a pretty drastic looking change off the back end of that. Uh, so mm. they are, they are, they are making these changes and it's terrifying. And for, well, for them, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a subtle thing for them. So there, it's not as big of a deal as, Hey, it's really, really fast. But I look at that and I'm like, Hey, you, you're making this 
way more playable potentially for a certain group of players. So I, there's a lot, to, there's a lot interesting about it. I was lukewarm at first. I'm really excited. I should have it in hand here in a couple of days to start putting the, putting to work and, and that'll tell the rest of the story, of course. Huh? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hit it as well personally, but, but also that's not it for Calgary right now. They've had a big month. There's new irons out that have been talked about for quite a while. They look really interesting. Um, from you know the the overview alone i've not touched them yet to experience them myself but it seemed like they took the old apex lineup and said can we make this insane and then they looked over and there was xforge cb just chilling and they said <laughs> huh we we have something with this and then they create an entire lineup over it, which is thrilling to me it's it's a different apex you know like it, it's this has been a big conversation point with it all because I think there's a group out there that have seen the new Apex. We waited on it. We waited an extended time, which I love that Callaway does it. I love that they're not pushing it out. They're not rushing it out. They're trying to make, you know, tangible, true differences. Plus, the previous generation is still that good. So you kind of gain yourself a little bit of a window to say, hey, we're not going to do it until we do it right. The interesting thing for me with the, the, the Pro, with the CB and the MB, and then the UT is these are much more player driven apex irons than we've seen in the past. Um, you don't have the larger profiles. You don't the pros, the pros for everything that they pack in them and, and, and the playability is extremely high. They look like a pro style iron. They are smaller and they were compact. I mean, the muscle back is the truest muscle back we've seen out of Callaway in a while. And the CB is, a, a forged player CB as you would expect. So uh, it's, it's much more stronger player driven, much more ball striker driven than I think I expected. Now I don't necessarily think this is the end of the apex lineup. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we, if we see them come with more as we I mean, get to PGA show time and stuff like that. But for this to be the initial thing and nothing else to be said, I get why people are kind of having a little bit of a reaction to it, you know? Yeah. I think, when you put it like that, it's fair, but at the same time, there's no way they create Apex and then DCB and just be like, no, that you, you guys like that way too much. We're totally done selling the entirely functional product line, uh, especially for the window of golfers that suited, which was, hey, we're the type of player who wants to experience a Forge face uh, with the presentation and sound and vibrations that a Forge product will provide. Um, and we're willing to pay for it. So I think you're right, man. I, I kind of want, while you're talking through the other couple that are in the lineup, I, I kind of want to mention, like, there's no way they're done. And of course you said, so we're, we're on the same page there. And it is twofold to me. I, I think, and this is just, I like, I, I have no backing to this. This is just the way my crazy mind works. I think the paradigm irons are that good that potentially it's twofold for Callaway of not wanting to cannibalize those right now, since they are still, you know, this year and realizing that also kind of buys you a window to stretch. If you are going to bring other apex irons that are kind of in those types of profiles, it gives you a little bit more time to either stretch to get it right, or just to give yourself another release window. That's going to drum up a bunch more excitement and probably refresh the excitement for these apex whenever the time comes, um, so because you and I both hit paradigm. The Paradigm Irons, like for my initial reaction visually for what they are, for how they perform, 
that's the best, I don't want to call it a set, but like that's the best driver release named iron that I think I've ever seen out of Callaway. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of one that was equally as satisfying for me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It Paradigm was a, is a great iron. And I mean, even my father, who is allergic to any sort of top line, hit it and seemed quite <laughs> satisfied based purely on the results. And it's hard to ignore, hey, this seven goes as far as the six I have in my hand in my current bag. So, you know, the idea is go out and hit them and experience them and understand what the benefits are that exist. But, you know, at the, at the other side of the coin, I think Callaway's done a nice job of managing the the number of product they, they actually have from a quantity standpoint. And it's one of those things where I wonder if they, they are refining that secondary component of the lineup they're not quite there yet but they knew that these were finished and ready and polished and i i've always said and i've always loved the idea if, if a company has a game-changing solution to whatever the idea of waiting an entire cycle to drop it is crazy to me i think if you have something you know works and you're incredibly excited about it and there's even the slightest bit of dip in your current sales I say, I say, release it. Give us everything. Give us, and, and I want that like 2025 stuff right now, man. I'm greedy. <laughs> well, so that brings it to to a really good point with it all. Like, so this this release cycle that we're in right now, this this August area of the year, right? Historically, we didn't get this. I felt I feel like for a long period of time. Now we're getting this. So we have Callaway with their irons. We have Titleist with their irons. Both better. I will say both better ball striker irons. Yeah. The titles has the 350 things that go there, but they're very, very driven with everything that are going to be more in tune with golfers who are addicts like we are. Right. So releasing them in August time, when you still have some season left to me is brilliant because most people who are going to flock to these are going to, are, are still going to be playing golf and probably playing some of the best golf of their year before they end up <laughs> yeah, shutting it down. Point. <laughs> I mean, it, it's something I hadn't thought of until some conversation the other day. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense and it may just be happenstance that it works that way. But to me, you you're now kind of pitching yourself directly at that, that grouping to where I would much rather have a new set of irons that I get to hit while I'm in peak form and then go into winter and hit them indoors or whatever else and come back around knowing what I got. Hmm. um yeah you're I, I seeing just, a, yeah you're seeing a little bit of excitement uh looks like some things from paying blueprint are showing up on tour all and, kinds of things now right yeah uh, and i guess taylor has got some things going on as well uh I, I think the interesting group would be like the the cobra who have been out for a while uh and have, have shown some pretty good success so far this year uh but it seems like it's, it almost seems like there's an intent from some of these companies to flock together. Like they're chasing the same clientele. So they know they can't wait for the PGA show if someone else is going already. Well, yeah. I mean, we've seen Titleist kind of live in this window. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, especially with the last T series, as much, I mean, flat out momentum as they've gained from it, and as much play. I've seen more, I've seen more Titleist iron sets this last year, year and a half than I have in a long time. I, I wonder if there's some of these companies now that are like, hey, let's get in on that. Or at least if we come with it now, maybe we can pull some of that. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I want to circle back on the Apex lineup because 
should there be additional product coming, which I, I really think is a fair assumption. And I want to go on record saying I have absolutely no idea. Me either. I, I have no inside info on that at all. Yeah. Don't email or call me for validation because I'm not going to give it to you. But the assumption there is that the the lineup is incomplete based on what we've seen previously. Whereas Titleist, and I think this is quite interesting, they brought out four iron sets uh, and three of them, I think, have a very similar blending appeal to them. Whereas there's an additional one, the 350, which I feel like is suitable to be in the lineup, but unrelatable to a lot of golfers who chase the other ones is the closest thing I can say. I think I think two and three, 200 and 350 have a lot of blending potential. And I think mm-hmm. 100, 150 and 200 have blending potential. But it's almost like if you put the two outliers on the table, there's a definitive separation of design there that I'm not saying doesn't make sense. Again, I think it belongs in the lineup. But when you tell a story to a single person, it's very light, unlikely that that person will need to hear stories about both sides of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I and I do think Titles has done a better job this year with the 350 and the way that it looks of trying to kind of at least blend it into the story of it all. I think you'd agree with that. I mean, that type of iron and player always historically, they like visual tech. So this is kind of a departure from that. But to me, now that I've seen all four of them side by side, like it, 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 it works. Yeah. Like the whole, the, the whole thing, the whole thing feels titleist now. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to no, say I, that it doesn't suit the lineup. I think it's very relevant to the lineup. What, what I think is where, Calloy's come out and said, like, these are the pro lineup of irons from this group, <laughs> aka Apex. And then Titles did it differently and says, This is our T series of irons. So it's it's two different ways. One's a little bit incomplete, I assume. We assume for the yeah, 50th we, we, time. We, assume. we don't know. <laughs> um, but but part of me says that it's a little bit easier for especially for the guys out in the field to cater to the golfers that are out there and i and i only mean that because i think the more skilled golfers that the percentage of players who are out there getting fit it, i i would assume are not as high as the guys who maybe are more suitable to like the 200 or 350 um which i would expect will get a significant amount of play out of the titleist fitting carts this year no i think that's exactly spot on with it and it's it's it. I think that's in the end, that's right. It's it's two different perspectives from companies on things. You know, for Titleist, by all intents and purposes, here these are their irons. Period. Like this is this is the next generation of irons. Like there's rumors there. Like even the CBMBs aren't. You know, they're not going to be a thing anymore. Like these are these are their irons. These are what they're going to have. They'll have their tour stuff or everything else on some of that stuff. But this is Titleist. Whereas with Callaway, we kind of sit there and go, okay, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. And, and I think yeah, that's fair. I, I think it's two different. I think is incomplete. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's two different companies doing it two different ways, and I think it works. But they're both fighting for the same piece of pie, which makes it more interesting. Yeah, I I kind of like it. it as much as I love to see similar technology bleed into other manufacturers. I, I've never had a problem with that. All this talk about like uh, you can't make a new port; it's the answer style. Blah blah blah. <laughs> like, man, just understand that that guy probably worked at the other company 10 years ago and stopped worrying about it is kind of my perspective on that. But I love it when companies find a way to run with a concept that's still their own and unique to them, but 
sort of chases an idea that they saw elsewhere. And and what I mean by that is, is as simple as the hollow body iron, the, the fact that it has become so significant over the last couple of years based on the origins of that, right? Which is awesome because not only do you get a certain style that you like, you get a certain sound that you like. And, and I bet if you talk to the guy who uses it, uh, a product that's superior to all others in his mind. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting that we, we kind of segue that way because Taylor made announced their P790s, the new ones, right? And they were, I, you know, to me in my mind, them and PXG and the lawsuit and everything that happened with the first duration and the go around, right? And that seems so long ago because it was, I mean, this is, this is the fourth generation of P790, which kind of broke my mind the other day to think about it. And then it stayed very true to its roots, but it's evolved. And for TaylorMade, that's, you know, that's their main seller in irons. It just is. But they took a totally different perspective than the other two companies we talked about in that they have their three definitively players irons that were released at the beginning of the year. And now they're adding P790 to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I like P790 as a baseline because there are so many other companies doing something. Everybody chased like that, that iron. Everybody know? chased that iron. So Let's you, be you, honest. It's you fair. have like the ZX4s, which are a little bit more, uh, I would say skill supporting, <laughs> but yeah. sound better than P790. You have uh, 225 from Mizuno, which are like the player side of P790, in my opinion. And they but are sound better. Uh, lavish. Yeah. I actually have a friend locally who's been playing P790 for a couple of years now and plays him very well with the one caveat that his miss is in the place that is not the place to miss on the P790. So he's like, man, that didn't sound good. I said, well, you know, we can always, you know, try a couple other heads and see if where you hit the ball makes it sound better. And sure enough, the 225 just, you know, it made a better sound for me. He's now chasing like a madman. So <laughs> it's just funny to me that you have all these options and, and everyone succeeds or, or benefits from the ability to pick what works for them, what sounds right for them, what looks right for them. Yeah. And, and I will never, ever, ever get upset about options. I'm just not one of those people. And that's not just because of the job that I do, but to me, I I've never understood belly aching about too many releases or whatever else, because nobody's forcing us to go buy anything. So, so I want to talk purely about title science for a minute because you have some in the bag. I have some Mm -hmm. in the bag now. Uh, and I'll, and I'll lead in with the story and then you can go on to why you're so much of a higher skill golfer, which oh God led you into the hundred selection. Anywho. <laughs> so I, I went with the T one fifties, which I thought had just spectacular turf interaction and almost it, it felt like uh clicking the easy button as compared to the muscle backs I was using in the shorter irons. So, you know, I, I got them on a Friday uh, I don't think, yeah, I certainly haven't told the story on the podcast, but so I get them on the Friday at 1030 in the morning and round one of my member member is like three hours later at one, one thirty or whatever. So I text my partner, send him a picture of the box and I'm like, Hey, so listen, hear me out. <laughs> he responds back. No. <laughs> so I don't play him day one. And then I go and play with TH peers and I put him in play. And it was fun to watch their reaction. They hit a, they, a couple of them hit them. Uh, but what I realized is they just fit like a glove. They were similar, uh, similar weighting, the same shafts between the two heads. Um, 
it just didn't feel like there was any sort of separation at all from a potential to score for me. So long story short and ignoring the part where day one was an absolute disaster at the member member uh, day, day two, I put them in play the following day for, for whatever reason we had a, a day gap between our two rounds, but goes in play for the final day. I hit them beautifully. I had shot of the day by far was a beautiful seven iron on the last par three. And it, it just, it never at any point seemed like I made a bad decision, put him in the play. And, and that I think is what people chase when they're looking for new irons is what are these doing for me to better my experience? And I think Titleist has checked a lot of those boxes for me, both from sound and from just basic turf interaction, which has been nuts. So flipping to you now that I've sort of celebrated my very clear honeymoon phase, which is uh, in full stride right now, you went 100 because mm-hmm. you're a stud. Why 100 and what have you seen so far? So I played the uh, 100S in the last iteration for a year and a couple months. That's the longest. I think you'll vouch in, in the, all the decade we've known each other. I think that's the longest I've ever played a set of irons. Um, and I had no intentions of getting them out of the bag. The only reason I got them out of the bag is, and this sounds so egotistical and it's not meant that way, but I like I, my distances were too much with the stronger lofts and how my ball striking is improved and I don't hit the ball as low as I used to. Um, I, you know, the lower spin, the stronger lofts, I, I was getting too much, too much distance out of irons and not enough of, of what I'd like to see now that I know what I want to see. Uh, so when, when the new irons came and, and I did our release article on THP on the homepage for it. So there's my shameless plug. If you want to go check that out, uh, Whenever that whenever that happened, you know, it was kind of analysis of things because the first thing I saw was that the 100s turned into the 150, and that they've widened the sole and and there's a touch more offset, not a lot, and it's it's not a lot, uh, but for me who fell in love with the the 100s's that were an identical replica of the 100s with that thinner sole, I found that for my needs that thinner sole is the best the best thing. So the natural thing was to go with the, the slightly weaker lofts, the 100 that's going to spin a little bit more. Uh, it's going to let me maximize my launch a little bit more and, and kind of fit that void of, you know, I, I want my nine iron to go 160 yards. I don't want it to go 165 yards. And, and that's kind of why I ended up in that, which funny enough, you, yours showed up and you wanted to play them uh, in, in your member member and didn't mine showed up. And I proceeded to the next day, put them into a big money two-man match uh, where I was going with the weekend with 72 two-man teams and a whole lot of money on the line. Uh, so I just slapped them right in the bag and went after it. And, and, and you know, it, things went well. It, it, they're, they're, they checked the boxes that I want them to check. And I think that's the, the kind of the cool part about it. I think we should segue into a non-gear topic which has been sort of eating me over the last couple of days and not necessarily because. (sighs) Yeah. So there was a time when I wasn't like this now is not that time. I used to be a lot better at golf. Now there's like a little bit of, um, not uneasiness, lack (laughs) of confidence that exists on the tee when my partner is in his pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I want to preface this part of the pod with why in the hell is alt shot now easier than best ball? 
that, that's a deep that's a deep thing right? there, Dan. Okay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll on the sixth hole of my golf course, we did fine. I was doing fine. I made I lipped out a birdie putt. So I'm like doing positive things to improve my game at that point. We get to the seventh hole, which you could land a a relatively large plane on the fairway there. And uh, unfortunately, my partner hits one right into the heather. Um, and as he's walking away from the tee box, he looks at me and goes, good luck. <laughs> so basically <laughs> saying like, hey, it's your hole. It's your problem. Um, and I proceed to hook one out of bounds, which which I, I didn't know if I didn't know if it was like the comment that was made or like the stakes were too high or what it was. But it was just like in that moment, I was like, why is this so challenging just because he's in his pocket? No matter what he does, I'm I'm having to play this round regardless. And, and that actually carried for probably 10 more holes where we went egg and egg instead of ham and egg um, at no fault. Yeah, I'm not I'm not about to put anyone on blast on a podcast. Definitely not myself. I would never do that to myself. So, <laughs> but then, you know, the following day, day two is the alt shot and every shot matters an alt shot. It's not like, uh, you know, you hit a, a really bad shot. They have to re tee for you. So it's like doubly embarrassing. And we actually played. So our, our combined handicaps, whatever we shot like a net 75 on day one, which is embarrassing for both of us. Uh, and then proceeded to shoot a net 72. So even par and alt shot which was awesome. We both played great. Uh, we, we were very much in it the whole time. And, and I, I left that weekend wondering, like, did we just have the wrong emotional chemistry going on on day one? Or were we like, was the emotion, the fortitude that we displayed on day two so strong that it made alt shot seem easier. I, I cannot wrap this around my head. Why it was so catastrophic. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, no. <laughs> I mean, it goes against everything that you you kind of kind of understand about golf, yeah, right? Let me get a little bit of that J-man <laughs> baggage out on, on the air for the thousands and millions who listen. Hey, well, you know what's funny about it is once upon a time, I was the one that was the wreck in that situation. And I just came off a weekend where I was kind of the other guy. I was the pick it up after the, the partner hits a, a hosel rocket on the first hole, the first par three and kind of strap it back together by the bootstraps and, and come around with it. So I, I get it. I get both sides. I mean, I, I was not, we didn't do any all shot situation. We did do the shamble, which, you know, is a shamble, like you got to have some chemistry and we played way better than that. We did in a scramble format. So I kind of get it. Like it's the, the, the situation that should be easier just isn't for whatever reason, because things get to you. Um, I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's deep. I love shamble. I, I think shamble is easier than scramble. I, and I only say that because when you start scrambling, you play like a butt cheek. And I don't know why that's such a problem for me. But anytime I go and play a scramble, my game is awful for like two weeks after because I go for everything. Oh, I yeah. swing into my shoes for everything. I expect everything to go in. I, I'm looking for someone to blame if it doesn't. I can't <laughs> find anyone. It's all a big problem to me. But I, I think shamble is... And, a brilliant way to break the ice, a brilliant way to get something started, but by far the easiest, uh, the easiest option out there from a team perspective. Would you agree? Yeah, but I would agree. And, and typically to me, all shots, the most sadistic, 
because in, unless you're playing with somebody that you really get on with, because if you yeah. if you don't if you don't know the person, it gets really easy and alt shot to either be extremely guilty for how you're playing, or to just be a dick based on how your partner's playing. So a big reason why they do alt shot at our member member is because it avoids the highs playing with the lows mm-hmm. and basically getting buried in it. So you make a party it's an equalizer. Pop. Yeah. You make a party pop on a uh, best ball. Great. That's an easy minus one and I'll just par everything, whatever. Whereas in all shot, it's like, all right, you're going to hit me here. And then I'm going to try and save us here. And you're going to hit me here. It, obviously it's not that catastrophic, but I, you know, you paint the picture what it is. I prefer to play one with someone who has a fairly similar skill set. Uh, I know it doesn't do us any benefit on the strokes as compared to the field, but I feel like, you you have a chance to play from a more similar position than you would expect to. It's more uh, comfortable. With the only expectation I have is do not, if I put you 10 feet away from the hole for birdie or 15 feet, if you give me a four-footer coming back, I will miss it intentionally because you were a savage. All right? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a little heated. I can't remember what hole it was on. And so this is uh, my partner, Adam. I've, I've had a blast playing with him over the last couple of years. I should probably have him on the podcast to defend himself or blast me <laughs> or you know, do whatever he needs to do. But uh, it's fun because you play with someone who has different strengths and his putting style is always past the hole, whereas my putting style is very much in the hole. So I, I prefer to die things in there so my next putt isn't an issue. And my perspective is, hey, if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, I have zero stress. So last year, I'm like famous last words on the Sunday morning was just let me tap in. And I think I probably putted, I don't know, eight or nine, two to four footers. (laughs) I was ready to cut them (laughs) or probably not kind of kill them or whatever I want to say. But uh, I can't remember what hole was on this year. He did it to me. He got me good. And I made the five footer coming back. But I was just like gritting my teeth, like you did this to me, and I feel like you meant to. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it funny the little things in like in those situations, either a club thing or you know a money tournament or whatever else? Because like I had one this weekend where my partner looked at me and said, "Well, you're not going to two putt that," so he just scooped his ball up. Oh, you know, it's a brutal. it's a th- it was a three and a half foot left or rider. God, it, and that, I le- I left it all, I, God, I put man. it on the low side, and I so I taught this guy. Like in school, you know, so I, but I, I, I missed it. I missed it on the low side. I'm mad at myself. Everything else is we get to the cart and I'm just looking at him. I'm like, I could kill you. Yeah. You know, That's, it's just, but it's, we were good. fine and it wasn't his fault. But in those situations, it's funny how, you know, the emotions and everything else of it, both high and low of the roller coaster, either get you in a dejected mode or just a really fired up mode when really you just want to find the steady mode. Yeah, well, and that's why I prefer to go first in just about every scenario. It's not like I used to be better about it. I used to always want to go last, but my perspective is I'm usually going to do better and the likelihood of me keeping it in play is pretty high when there's no nothing to worry about. So if you make me go behind you and you make a terrible decision and now it's all on me, then my my perspective has clearly changed on that <laughs> where I will well, put, you know, in, and see, in, in regard to that. And I used to, I used to be the guy that liked to go first to let my, for the purpose of letting my partner pick me up with it, everything. But now, you know, I'm, I'm the weaker player in our group, but I would prefer to go second because I have zero issue laying up if shit goes bad on his shot. 
So like I, I, I have, I have no, I have, I have, <laughs> but I, but like I, and you know, I had to get it through his head, like swing at it. Cause it makes yeah. me no difference if I go back and, and I'll hit, you know, if my 19 degree versus me banging driver at it. Cause you hit a good one. So like that doesn't, it doesn't phase me anymore. It's interesting because our perspective was on precision. The likelihood of me hitting the fairway is pretty high. And then it allows him to open up and do something reckless, which, yeah. you know, is, is ideal. Whereas if he's, like halfway between the two options and, and, and decides to do what he does. And I, I was always going to play it safe. <laughs> so now I've just got that added pressure of like, you really have to play it safe, which is, which is funny. But um, I want to add something to that conversation because I know neither of us have been too afraid to have a, a wobbly pop or two while we're playing golf, especially after a birdie. But uh, when you get into competitive rounds, are you inclined to add a little bit of the alcohol into it or not? Um, so we actually had the conversation, he and I, because we play a lot of like four man go around these crazy scrambles where you almost have to drink to enjoy yourself because you know, at the end, the pencil's always going to win from somebody, no matter how well you played. Whereas this one, there's a little bit more onus on just the two of you. And I would say I enjoyed myself for a hundred and some degree day. But we started off, we were 600 through seven holes. Damn. And we, well, we finished yeah, the round. Us, buddy. Come on. We, we, we finished the round six under. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we actually, we actually tapered off at that, like, and kind of kept it together. We just, we started ham and hamming it instead of ham and egging it. And it was just one of those things where it just kind of happened. But we were both, we mentioned that night, you know, we were both very cognizant without having to say it of each other staying in control of it because i mean we want to win money i want to win money i like money money's good um we didn't ever get reckless about it so and i think as i've gotten better i'm more likely to be like that whereas previously it's like i'm in as the 11 or 12 handicap whatever here i go i'm here to party um you know i but now it's 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 a lot different for me gotcha yeah so we had uh three hours and two minutes to play our front nine and finished in five hours and 31 minutes. I chose to have a few beverages. Uh, and I found actually, I felt like it took a little bit of the edge off from the putting because it's funny how much a two footer matters. And they unintentionally, because we had gotten a bunch of rain, dialed up the greens within a couple of days of the event. So it was already a little bit surprising the speed that they were running. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, and then you add in the variable of, okay, it's a little bit softer. So there's footprints. I got to be really careful. And, and I just realized like, man, I need to lighten up a bit. And in my head, let's, let's have one and mm-hmm. uh, never a point where I'm like lost and gone forever, but it, it did seem like it helped. And I'm curious, hopefully we can get a conversation going that people who maybe are on the fence, especially on their regular rounds, I'm curious to know if, if, if something's on the line, is it easier for you to continue doing that or choose not to, or choose to, as opposed to not uh, that that's always been an interesting thought of mine. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see where people's mindsets are and all. I mean, I know mine's changed. Mine's changed a lot over the years and I would assume that most people's that way. Let me, um, let me just check here. Yeah. So there's, two more things i want to talk about and we're a little bit limited on time are we um all, no well, we don't have to it's two-parter everyone no i'm kidding <laughs> uh i think we can check them both off because one of the ones kind of made me laugh and, and i know it made me laugh because i have a history of being 
deeply allergic to differences in green style. <laughs> so I, I was always uh, deeply f- afraid of Bermuda until I sort of learned it a bit. Uh, that that kind of comes to the territory of not traveling for golf for however many years to start my career. But uh, I we were at we were at a local course that that is actually really well maintained for the the price and the style of play. Public course. Um, but there were probably three different styles of grass that existed around the greens, depending on where you were on the golf course. And I was having a, an interesting chat with uh, uh goes by the moniker Nerdy. So Will, he uh, he's probably just more or less tolerating me, but I was talking about how the the one type of grass really popped the ball up high. Um, and like sent it so i had like extra momentum on it and we're talking green side right now mm-hmm. and the other type of grass it just your your club head just cut through it the ball came out dead and i i found it very challenging because i i feel like there should be a mindset of once you get on the golf course there's a certain style of play that you should exist with but then now you're dealing with two different types of grasses now you have to mentally change based on green speed and style and shape based purely on the grass you you're sitting in have you had that experience before yeah i mean but i've also most of my golf until this year has been played on courses where anything they can get to grow during certain times of year (laughs) well i mean like like this last week we were 100 yeah we were like 108 and everything else so or you get into fall whenever you're on a course that can't afford a lot of pre-emergent and everything else and you know clover takes over so now you're battling bermuda in one spot and straight up clover in another and it's it's totally different scenarios. I think, I think skill level depends a lot there. I think better golfers care more, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think I think it's almost a detriment to us at times because we can kind of overthink it. Whereas more <laughs> mi- more overthinking more, Bermuda, me. <laughs> <laughs> but more middle of the road situation, or you know, happy go lucky is just go play it, and a lot of times it makes it easier. But no, I've absolutely had to battle it and it, it it's i don't know it it's another little thing that'll test your brain and it's one of those things that after a round i usually end up feeling extremely exhausted <laughs> so my takeaway during the round which of course was brilliant was <laughs> I, I i don't feel bad for them but i'm constantly blown away at the precision that the professionals can maintain changing week over week going to a different climate going through different grass type, going to a different golf course with different maintenance schedules and styles of maintenance, the ability to maintain that high level precision, I think is underlooked a little bit because just switching a type of grass for me is the difference between up and down and kind of looking like I've never done it before. So for them to just go week over week in these very challenging uh, pin positions and green speeds and, and deep rough and, weird rough whatever i think it's pretty damn impressive it's you know it's not anything honestly i've ever really thought of until you bring it up like that because then you throw into you know playing golf in florida with massive humidity and heat versus going to arizona and just playing in heat the the ball travels completely different everything's completely different add in elevation add in rainfall bermuda versus fescue versus all these other things like that's a great freaking point that I've really honestly never given any thought to. I would like to hear more of the pros talk about the grasses they excel in 
And and one of the things I always find funny is the places they decide not to be a part of. So they're like, oh, I'm not going to do that tournament. I wonder if it's more about just the not just the des- course design or the conditions of play, or I guess it would be the conditions of play that they don't care for. I'd be interested to hear some perspective on the tour from the guys, although I would bet they don't want to put any individual course or state on blast for fear of getting booed the next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those, if you could get some truth serum in them to, to know yeah. the whys and the ins and outs. And, and the, but that's all, I mean, likewise, that's, that's gotta be a major rule to why some of these guys will skip events in certain locations. Yeah. And I've never, I've never really thought about it. You know, you always think schedule schedule, how many times they played. It could just be a situation where they just know they're not going to play well. So we're skipping FedEx cup playoffs. Cause I'm, not sure it's even a thing anymore do they still do that <laughs> I, i've heard rumors i don't know okay and we're also going to skip the tour having meetings uh about how much people love monahan so we'll, we'll skip all that for another week um but i do want to f- end on this question to you uh because it's sort of eating at me a little bit and and not meant to be in a negative way but we went through it a little bit when you were in town a couple weeks ago we were trying to find a good place to play that was a non-course option so simulator is basically what i'm trying to say and we found a place that was offering up for 50 dollars an hour for sim golf which to me seems like a pretty silly amount of money and i was looking at other options in there and there's another place and i don't want to name by name because obviously they're doing well if they weren't the price would exist in a in a different manner but i think it was like 50 or 70 dollars there and to me that is a crazy amount of money to spend on simulator golf. As it turns out, we found a place that that was nowhere close to that price. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not saying it was the perfect solution from a read ball, get accurate feedback. Other than that 427 yard bomb I hit, which was obviously perfectly accurate. And I always spin the ball at 178 RPMs. Totally accurate. <laughs> Total. But uh, my, my question to you is at what point did people decide that was a sensible price to pay for indoor golf? Do you think that makes any sense at all? I I don't know, man. It's such a mixed bag when you get to the indoor thing, because not only is the location matter, but what, what are they using to measure the ball? Is it a track man system? Is it an overhead system? What, what goes on to that? How much, how much is the, the situation going to be? I mean, what are your options as far as playing? I mean, can you get into some of these online things that go on with it all? I think a lot of the pricier ones now have honestly moved to like a subscription, you know, almost like a membership model. Okay. So, so the membership drives them and gives them something more year round when maybe people will be on the golf course more than they'll be there versus the people that just want to drop in. They know they're only going to see once or twice. So the fees are a little bit higher. At least that's what we've seen around here, um, which I kind of understand, but I don't know. I think I think honestly, a lot of them just don't know where to price themselves. They don't know if they want to be elite and use that price as a stopgap to keep people they may not want skill level wise to be there or yeah. quote unquote serious versus unserious golfers. Right. Whereas the lower crowd or the lower prices sometimes gets you and I there with an ice chest and, you know, 400 yard drives. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is a big part of what's tripped me up is this socialization of golf i like that I like that which you know, <laughs> is being led by groups like top golf which i think makes a lot of sense 
Now I do think top golf is uh, a pretty painful price to pay for an hour of uh, hitting sort of balls that have, uh, you know, been there for a while. Let's just say totally agree. but it's all part of the experience, right? So the idea of getting more expensive to go indoors has become a bit of a hurdle I'm really struggling to get over when it comes to what I want to do. And part of that is because ranges alone are getting great. Like we have a range, you can get a bucket of balls for, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks. And it has top tracer there, which will track your ball just as well as anywhere else. You have uh, multiple bays that you can, Go, you don't have to book a bay with four guys just to make it worth your time or you know price. Now you can get two bays line, you know, set side by side where you and your buddy could both go pay that that bucket of ball price to go hit. Uh, and they're heated and they're fine. Uh, I, I just I'm really struggling with that. And this whole idea that golf is needs to be more accessible, I feel like it's become worse going indoors than it has been just playing golf outside. I think I think the indoor golf thing is going through what outside golf has gone through for a very very long time, and price was the ultimate gatekeeper. I, I just I I do I think I think and part of that hey for some of these places it's protecting their technology and their investment. I really do believe that. I don't think it's necessarily trying to recruit the investment so they price it super super high. I think by pricing it where they do, they think a they can get that, and b when they do get that, they're going to get people who understand the situation and probably have a little bit more etiquette and are going to take care of things and not be you know knocking panels off of walls or whatever else goes with it. Well, it was I, one I, time, man. It was one time. I think I blame Andy, but I, I think but but i really do like i think th- i think that indoor simulator golf right now is kind of going through that new technology new thing where the prices are a little bit higher and and like any business though if they if they're not getting that money then the price has to come down it's just a shame to see some of these areas that are so so potentially beneficial to golf games and to enjoyment of golf to price themselves out of it um, it's, it's a, this is a, this is a topic that we have, we could have gone 40 minutes on this alone. I know, you know, I know, but, uh, all I wanted to do is talk about new and shiny. So we took 25 minutes for that. Worth <laughs> it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that terrifies me is that people are willing to pay for it. So there, there's not like a huge gap between, um, these places going out of business and, Let's be clear. I'm not rooting for them to go to business. No, no, not at all. I'd also love to see some scenarios where they can make it feasible for the last minute jumpers. Like we went into a place and it was totally empty and we couldn't even get a bay because quote unquote people were coming at some point, which was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, and, And that setup was amazing. Yeah, that was really cool. But, you know, there's got to be a way to make this more feasible for the guys who just want to go rip balls. Uh, and will respect the rules. I don't know. I, I don't think 50 is it. I, I think there is probably a number. I definitely don't think 70 is it. But I also hope that people realize that I'm looking at it from my climate. So mid-Ohio or southern Ohio. It, I'm not talking about NYC or you know San Francisco or somewhere massive like that. Uh, I'm talking about it from a more reasonable locale. Yeah for that type of thing, especially off season. Like my goodness. And in June or July in Ohio, everyone should be outside. So it should be like 10 bucks an hour. (laughs) No, I don't disagree at all. It's a, it's a, it's a nuanced conversation with it all. I like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to hear just how many of these things are starting to grow and go places, you know, cause we've been so top golf focused and where they're popping up, like how many of these legitimate 
indoor situations that are not just, you know, slap whatever you can in there and a bar and have fun with it. Those are fun too. I love them. Uh, but how many of these, you know, like the one we went in, that's a little bit, you know, they had a full gym and everything else in it. Pretty serious. Yeah. And they do lessons there. They have mm-hmm. multiple pr- teaching professionals. They have like fitting how? centers there. They have a, a full on uh, physical fitness center, which has um, coaches available. Like there's a lot going on there. And, and I love that for the game. I, I think that's something I wish I had when I was younger uh, in my teens. I probably would have gone and worked there and 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 become much better than I ever was. But you know that that's the kind of entry point that I think is really cool because not only are you bringing on another way of getting that direct quality focus on your game, but uh, you're doing it in a way that doesn't require membership to uh, uh, an outdoor golf course. Yeah. I, so. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for it. It's, it's a new, it's a newish thing. I, I like, it's got to come back to the middle a little bit more, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it'll be good to keep the conversation going. I know I started one on THP earlier this week, uh, but we'll, we'll continue the discussion in the the thread that will be created for this podcast. If you're out there listening, you feel like talking, uh, let me know on social what your thoughts are. Uh, or come on THB and, and tell me there as well so I can debate with you with uh, high-quality giffies and uh, questionable arguments. <laughs> James, I always have a blast when you come on, brother. I appreciate you. appreciate you having me, man. You uh, you got any big plans for this weekend? You played some golf? Uh, i got a little prep for a little member-member next week coming up, so I'm going to try to get some rounds in. All right, well, give me a call tomorrow morning because I'm going to go and uh, hit driver for about an hour. <laughs> and recreate the brilliance that once was. What do you think? I will console you. I'll be there. He console. <laughs> he, the, he basically said it's going to go bad. Anyway, <laughs> hey, everyone out there, if you're playing golf this weekend, have a great time. Uh, new Callaway products and new Titleist products look absolutely insane. Those are kind of the ones we featured on the podcast. But uh, looks like there's quite a bit of interesting stuff. TaylorMade Ping all, also have some really cool looking irons coming out. So make sure you share your perspective on those on THP. Go hit them so we can know more about them. Uh, And if you are playing golf this weekend, have a great time. Don't play alt shot. I'm just joking. It is a terrifying format. It's not fun at all, I swear. Uh, But do have a good time when you go play. We will catch you guys next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network. Your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.